Hey, welcome back to the Brazos Point living room. We are back together again, the three amigos, myself, Joseph Castillo, Smoggers Pastor, Michelle Masterson, mm-hmm. and Randy Dane. Hello. We are kicking off a, not a brand new, we're picking back up message series. We've been in for quite a while now um, that you may believe as we walk through the gospel of John and we are excited because our small groups have kicked back off. Yeah. What did you guys think about our kickoff event on Sunday? I mean, I had fun. I think that's what we should do every week. (laughs) Eat taters and play bingo. I think we could tell we all had fun. My small group had fun. Yeah. We've got a pretty eclectic range of ages and life stages, and all of them had fun. Yeah. Well, it was a win. I talked to somebody who was kind of very new, and I said, yeah, this is what we do every this Sunday. Is, <laughs> this is this our is Sunday night sun- service. Sunday I, did, night I, I saw somebody out in public, and she said, I found my calling. It's ultimate bingo. My, that is my ministry. Oh, that's what it's going to be. She, she wants to just live out her bingo life. Well, we're glad you're listening, and if you are not connected to Small Group, we would love to help you to do that, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the end. But as we jump in this week, guys, back into the Gospel of John, journeying with Jesus through the Gospel of John, I got an interesting question for us. If something comes up in conversation that you do not know, do you ask then or look it up later? (laughs) Um, it kind of depends, but um, I definitely lean toward secretly look it up later. <laughs> mm. You don't want to act like you don't know something? Well, yeah. And I'm pretty good at acting like I do know something. <laughs> well, that's actually what I was going to say. Time. I was just faking it. I have a bad habit of it, actually. I'll go a step further. I, I want to appear to know everything so much that I'm going to try to discreetly look it up. In the conversation. In the conversation. So I'm not waiting until later. I'm going to educate now. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Uh, well, I think I do a bit of both. I think I'm definitely the the type that wants to like, I'll look that up later. Let me make myself a note. But I think there's sometimes I'm like, I don't know what that means. Tell me. And I think the people that happens with the most are the two of you. <laughs> like you will Where you say feel things. safe to say, tell me. Uh, I think this is so random <laughs> that I'm like, here's that much. That what does that mean? To you? Like you, I, I was trying to think of phrases you've said, and that sometimes they're really old idioms. Oh, yeah. That I'm like, mm. what? I am the king of really There's old idioms. There's lots yeah. of papaisms. But I feel the same about being with Nick Gonzalez. Yeah, like slang. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, Nick. Which that makes sense. You got to tell me, man. What did that mean? But what's so funny, because I'm used to that, like, I don't know what that new slang means. But with you, it's always like, I don't old know what slang. that 300-year-old <laughs> <Yeah>. saying means. <laughs> I'm trying, and it's, I mean, it's its legitimately interesting, but you said something the other day, it wasn't that old, but it was like, I got a hitch in my step. <laughs> got a hitch in my step. <laughs> what does that mean? It's See, I hitch. didn't really grow up with expressions like that, I don't think so. I've learned a lot just from you and Papa too. Um, I was i was an adult before I heard six one, half dozen the other, and now I hear it all the time. Hmm. Very different from a what? baker's dozen. <laughs> different from a baker's dozen. Uh, I was today years old <laughs> when I heard that for the first time. <laughs> it's like, man, should I do this or that? Yeah, it's six, one, six, half dozen, one, the other. Half dozen, the other. Six, one, half six, dozen. Uh, half a dozen is six. Yeah. So do it's I six get or that? six, or it's a half a dozen or half a dozen. Should so I go? I get it. You can't go wrong. It's, it's a, just it's a the bizarre idea. You're choosing between two, two similar things. Two similar things. Same yeah, things, really. Uh, just say, man, one or the other. Six, one, half dozen, <laughs> the other. <laughs> There's a lot to get tripped up on trying to say that. Just 
two half baker's dozens minus one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, idioms are really funny. Michelle and I were laughing the other day. Yeah, about they some are. old ones. Mm-hmm. You can say that again. <laughs> you can say that <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason we're talking about uh, this idea of do you look it up or in the moment or at later is really this idea about looking for truth and our willingness to search it out. And so the reason we're kind of talking about this is we pick up with Jesus through the journey, through back through the journey, our journey through the Gospel of John. We see that many people are believing in him because of his teaching. And yet we're going to see a moment today where Jesus challenges the religious leaders to believe. And he's going to teach them that true disciples are not disciples just in name, but really the true disciples are those who have been truly transformed. So as we jump into Mark, excuse me, John 8, we see that Jesus is talking about this idea of being set free, and I'll just quickly read one of the verses. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So according to Jesus, what is the mark of a true disciple? And what do you think it means to hold to those things? I mean, I think there's, there's more than one thing going on here, right? Um, I mean, you could you could look at just that first part that the mark of a true disciple is holding on to Jesus's teacher, teaching, um, but it's also simultaneously being set free. Hmm. A true disciple is a freed one, right? Uh, that has been set free by the truth, and so it's I man, it's this both end of someone that holds to the truth and then someone that has been freed by the truth. Yeah, that's interesting because it's probably sounded counterintuitive to them, you know, like this is what I need to believe and this is who I need to put my trust in, but that actually equals freedom. I think it's counterintuitive to us sometimes, to today's people. Well, I think that's true. And, and Jesus is offering freedom and their response is, we don't need to be freed. We've yeah. never been slave to We're anybody. Good. And yeah. Jesus is like, oh, I got news for you. You actually are a slave. You just mm-hmm. don't know. It's not a physical slavery. It's a spiritual slavery mm-hmm. and you're a slave to sin. Mm-hmm. And you need to be set free from that. That's exactly what I've come to do. And so that's the teaching that Jesus wants us to hold to is essentially the the essence of Christianity, the gospel that we can't, God can. We don't have the ability to. God did it for us. And, and there's freedom in that. There's freedom and there's peace and there's relationship with God. And uh, they were missing it, man, completely missing it. I think that speaks a little bit to the hold that sin has on us, but also that it really is in our nature. Like we are not holy on our own. You know, we, we can't be holy except for Jesus. And so it's so in us and it's so a part of our nature that we don't even realize we're being held captive by sin because, you know, we've had that conversation before too about how, sin can be a sneaky thing like selfishness, you know, and and I don't necessarily feel a slavery to selfishness, you know. I think it, it makes me think too of the, the D guide mark, depending on God and everything. And what we want to accomplish with that, like as we grow in Christ, is to recognize our absolute surrender and dependence on Jesus for everything. And I think that gets at the reality that, that so much of the time, like we can functionally believe that we depend on Jesus for justification in mm-hmm. order to be saved. Mm-hmm. But then we slip into this mindset of, oh, okay, but now I depend now on I've me for sanctification to grow in this. Yes. And I think to hold, to, to abide in, is to live in that place of complete surrender and dependence where you continually recognize in all things you're absolutely relying on god Hmm. 
Well, he goes on to, you know, he begins to have this conversation with the religious leaders. They're saying, hey, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anything. What do we need to be set free from? And Jesus is going back. You're really missing what's really going on here. And so the next question is, what kind of freedom were the Jews thinking about? And what kind was Jesus speaking about? Yeah, so as we, we touched on that a little bit already. Mm-hmm. Ready? So already, right? <laughs> and so, uh, all right, ready. <laughs> they were talking about a, a physical slavery. Uh-huh. You know, they're like, man, we're there. we know our people in the past were slaves to Egypt, but uh-huh. in our life and time, uh, we have not been slaves to anyone. What are you here to free us from? And and that's where Jesus introduces them <laughs> to a whole different kind of freedom. You mm-hmm. know, he's offering them the spiritual freedom away from their enslavement to sin. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what the enslavement to sin causes is the consequence of eternal death. Mm-hmm. And so there is e- there are eternal consequences, right, in yeah. regards to this slavery. And it's a freedom that goes beyond this life. Yeah, yeah, when I think about what's the difference, it's physical versus spiritual, but it's also, you know, present versus eternity. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, it's it's so easy for us to create these kind of stark lines and create this dichotomy of uh, then versus now and physical versus spiritual. And I've been doing some reading and learning lately about just kind of how all of that is so integrated, you know, like we are we are simultaneously physical and spiritual beings. We are living in the already not yet, meaning the here and the now, you know, all of that together. And so just not separating those things out and recognizing that the freedom is not just for later in heaven. Mm-hmm. And the freedom is not just spiritual. Like there is a physical component to that too, right? Yeah. As spiritual beings. And so, man, we, we live in that and we experience that now, even though we will experience it more fully later. Mm. I love this part, these passages and the one for the ones for next week as well, because I think it really is a good reminder for me of just how the Bible is one story. It's beautifully told and how God is telling one con- like continual story. And even as they look back and they're like, well, we've never been slaves to anything. And they're talking about, you know, maybe our ancestors in Egypt, but all of that is a forerunner. All that is a picture in so many ways of what it is they and, and us, we are dealing with right now. You know, it's like, yeah, you are just as much a slave to your sin as they were in Egypt. And just, there's so many, um, comparisons and similarities it's just it really is beautiful so as jesus goes on his what he said was you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and i also wanted to read john 8 51 this is going ahead a little bit but jesus also said very truly i tell you whoever obeys my word will never see death so jesus is making a promise if you believe me you'll be set free and you will also never see death and so my question is what does it mean to be set free with the truth I mean, I think there's a a lot that's involved in that freedom. For one, it's freedom from our self-justification and our striving to find acceptance with God. But it's really relaxing and resting in the finished work of Jesus and being freed from all that to the point uh, that we don't do these kinds of things and live out this kind of life because we have to, but because we get to, because we want to. It's motivated by gratitude rather than obligation. We're set free from obligation. Hmm. Uh, you know, if we, Jesus talking about, if you believe me and you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. We're talking about being freed, not from a physical slavery in Egypt, like they were thinking, 
but being set free from our slavery to sin. So if we are following Jesus and we receive what he's promising here, does what does that mean for us as, as followers of him? Does that mean that now that we've been set free from sin, we are meant to live perfect lives moving forward? Like, Yeah, I think, Michelle, you chime in too if, if I'm stepping on your toes, but like, What's on my mind here is the reality, no, we're not we're not called to live perfect lives. We're called to live fruitful lives, right? And so because of uh, Jesus' sacrifice and that giving us the opportunity to step over the line of faith and be rescued from our sin, he promises the gift of the Spirit. And then the Spirit will bring the fruits of the Spirit. And that's the kind of fruit that our lives produce, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And what Galatians 5 tells us is that those who have crucified the flesh no longer live, but we live in step with the Spirit, right? So when we've been set free and we get the gift of the presence of the Spirit, then the Spirit works in us, taking and crucifying that old nature even more and bringing us more alive in Christ as we're set free to live these fruit-filled lives. And there's such freedom in grace, too. You know, like, we're, we're not going to live perfect lives moving forward, but we've accepted this free gift of grace. And so not that grace is something we, you know... You know, some people might think you take advantage of that grace. Well, now I can do whatever I want to, and and I know I'm going to be forgiven. But like Randy said, now that we've got the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, like we have the freedom to still live for Jesus, even though we know we're not going to be able to do that perfectly. But we don't have to we don't have to strive anymore. Like uh-huh. we have his power inside of we inside us. We have his spirit inside us giving us that fruit. And then we get to live in the freedom of knowing that when we do mess up, he's there. Uh-huh. I do think that's helpful. That is a helpful explanation because I think we all know sins that we continually struggle with. And I think some people, many times when you come to this promise from Jesus, hey, if you believe in my truth, you will be set free. And some people feel like, man, I'm trusting in Jesus, I'm following him, and yet I still mess up. And just kind of, I think it's a good discussion to have, just to realize you have been set free, and you are now made righteous with, with God. Um, and, and you are justified, and yet you are in the process of still growing, be, being sanctified, and becoming more and more like Jesus. And it's already, but not, not well, yet. And going back to what you said a minute ago, Joseph, about how amazing the scriptures are and how it really is written as, as one cohesive unit, it's incredible to think about because Israel becomes such a great illustration of that. When they've been set free, they're no longer slaves in Egypt. But man, uh, even though they're experiencing freedom, there's parts of them that are so hung on and, and, and stuck in their slavery mm-hmm. in Egypt. And so, you know, that's, that's what becomes a picture of what we do sometimes. Like mm-hmm. we've been set free, but we're still stuck in those old days. Mm. I think it's worth pointing out, too, that this is one of those verses that gets quoted a lot and often out of context, you know, Mm -hmm. then the truth will set you free. And especially, um, maybe not especially, maybe it's always been like this, but... I know that absolute truth seems to be something that people kind of 
veer away from and it's become a lot of my truth versus your truth live your truth mm-hmm. um like if it if it feels right for you then it's right then it's your truth and you need to live that truth and that's where freedom comes from and so just in conversations that we have with folks and maybe even in our small groups this week some of that kind of stuff might come up and so i think it's really important to keep in mind what Jesus was actually talking about and that the truth is him. Mm-hmm. Well, I have us reading a little further into this passage, and Jesus continues to have a conversation with the religious leaders. And as we read on, we see these verses speak about the difference between being descendants of Abraham versus being true children of Abraham. Uh, and, and Jesus, they basically say, like, you're talking about being children of Abraham. We are. Like, our bloodline runs all the way back uh, to him. And uh, Jesus is kind of challenging them. And Jesus doesn't deny that they're descendants of Abraham, but he does challenge that they are not his true children because of their actions. Uh, and it's a real interesting discussion that's going back and forth. And so, in according to Jesus, how do the Jews, and Jesus, in this discussion, Jesus says, no, your father's not Abraham. Your father's actually the devil. <laughs> and it's this like... Uh, it's a tense conversation. Yeah, it's a tense conversation, <laughs> and it's escalating. Like, no, our father's Abraham. Nope, your no. father is the devil. Not only is it not Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Who's your daddy? <laughs> it's not Abimelech. It's not. Uh, so, according to Jesus, how do Jews show that the devil is their father or that they belong to him? I, mean, I think it's two things. It's, and what he's saying is, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck, it's a duck. Uh-huh. And he's saying, you look like your dad because two things. One, uh, you're, a, you're a liar and you're a murderer. Mm. And that's what he is, you know? Like Jesus says in, in, in John 10, 10, that the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life. And Jesus is ultimately in these verses trying to give them the light and life of the gospel, and they won't have it, they won't hear it, because they're so fixed on wanting to kill him and wanting to dismiss him as a liar. And what Jesus is saying is, man, the enemy, your dad, your daddy is doing his work of stealing, killing, and destroying in these moments. And you look like him, because not only do you want to murder me, but you are speaking lies in light of the fact that I'm actually bringing the absolute truth. I think, and I don't know if this is necessarily um, where this is going, but what it makes me think about is going back to the idea that there's no middle ground when it comes to Mm -hmm. Jesus and having faith in him. And we've talked about that a lot in John, um, and that you either belong to him or you don't. And if you don't, then this is what your eternity is going to look like. It's Mm -hmm. not, there's not different levels of faith in him. Like you either believe who he says he is and put your trust in him or you don't. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and to go back into the first century context, like into these passages, you could be a Jew and actually believe in him. Right. Like look at the 12 that he has surrounded himself. These guys are Jews Mm -hmm. and they have given their lives to follow him. There are other believing Jews, right? And Jesus ups the ante a little bit and he (laughs) says, if Abraham was here right now, the Jew of Jews, the father of Israel, he would believe in me. Why? Because God actually had his heart. And because God is his actual father, then he would have loved these truths. He would have known these truths, and he would have been able to understand them as the truth. Hmm. And so he's really, he's given them. That does come down to the heart. 
Yeah, he's giving them a lot, though, because basically what he's saying is, when he's telling them the devil is your father, he's saying, you are not, you are not a follower of God. Mm -hmm. So I think this is interesting because they are having this back and forth discussion. No, we are his children because my father's 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 father, and we go all the way back to Abraham. Jesus is saying, like you said, you don't look like me. Like you don't belong to me because of your actions. And you look a lot more like you belong over here. And I think this discussion, which is, you know, we're, we're going back in time to see this discussion Jesus is having with this group of people is so relevant today, even. So relevant. So relevant. And I think one of the things they say to him is like, no, we're not illegitimate children like you're saying. And they keep going back and forth. No, here's why we belong. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. And I think it's so relevant today. And so my question is, in what ways today do people still mistakenly believe that they are God's people? You know what I think is the heaviest one? It's people who come to church. Mm. You know, I really do. I mean, I think people would be like, no, 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 we're Brazos Points kids, you know? <laughs> and he's like, man, you may be, but you're not mine and you don't, and you're not with me. And I think people associate coming to church with being God's people and your attendance, attendance, your attendance yeah. does not equal, you know, your, your position in regards to your faith. Yeah. It's not a, just check a box. And, and, and that's, that's a sobering reality that a lot of people certainly do that, you know? And Jesus speaks to that other places, and he says, man, you're going to say, Lord, Lord, to me, and I'm going to say, you never knew me. And then you're going to say, but I did this, but I went to church, but I attended church, but I attended church. And Jesus is going to say, but you didn't know me. And that is a sobering reality because the, the bottom line is that's where a, that's where a lot of people live yeah. in spite of the fact that we see them. Uh, and that that is you know part of the, the mission of what we're seeking to accomplish is to bring people you know, into the light. And ultimately that's a work of God. And, you know, it's not something that, that we are responsible to accomplish, but it is something that we are responsible to teach and preach. I think one way to think through it, I'm thinking about a conversation I had with a family member a while back, but it was about the compartmentalization of our faith and the difference between Believing the things, you know, maybe even having grown up in church, whether attendance was perfect and, and you know, it was always a connection to church or not, but having heard the stories and believing they were true, but kind of compartmentalizing that as that's the that's the religious part of me, or that's mm -hmm. the faith part of me. But then there's the rest of my life where this is the truth I live by. And I think that's the difference. What is the truth you live by? Because if Jesus is the truth you live by, it can't be compartmentalized. It is every part of your life. It's, it's having a biblical worldview, which is the lens through which you even see the world. I think another piece of this is people believe they're God's people because of their heritage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, which is exactly what they're doing. Exactly mm -hmm. right. That's exactly right. And I think that's still true today. Uh, and, and the reality is, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of nitty gritty that we could get into here, but as Jews, uh, they actually were God's people. Mm -hmm. But as Gentiles who are, you know, feel like because of some association with their grandma, that are that was Christian that they're somehow God's people mm -hmm. like that is so misguided and so mistaken. I think this is one of the more powerful questions of this entire discussion for us to just personally think about. You know, like uh, where do I fit into this? Like, if I was sitting in the same conversation Jesus is having with them, 
would I feel like Jesus would look at me and say like, no, yeah, you look like me. You belong to me based on your actions and you're not, you're not associating yourself to me through all these other things, but it's, it's your belief and it's your actions that, that connect you to me. Well, and I think the greatest action is a heart of humility mm-hmm. that says, I know I'm God's people because I have thrown my life completely on the gospel of Jesus and mm-hmm. I'm completely dependent on him for salvation and rescue and life. And I have found freedom in him. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A trusting, for sure. Because I think there are people too, like you, you're saying here, who say, well, I do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I give X amount of money to nonprofits or even a church. And for Jesus to say, like, do you, but it doesn't, none of that matters if you mm-hmm. don't trust me. And that makes me think of a conversation I've had with a guy that was curious about faith in Jesus, was actually, I, I believe, genuinely interested. But his hang up was, uh, my dad is not a Christian. And. Like his dad, you know, was not just not a Christian, but he was, you know, anti in a sense. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and he is a better person and does more good than most of the Christians I know. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you misunderstand Christianity completely. Mm-hmm. It's not about do. Yeah. It's about done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it also takes a good bit of humility and willingness also to, going back to what you said earlier, Randy, about... Um, the people who maybe think they belong to God but don't, is a willingness to help people see that maybe and love them toward Jesus and the truth of Jesus and help them see, you know, this is what belonging to Jesus completely actually is and is about. And when you really think about it, like, not only are you... I want to say doing them a favor, you know, eternally speaking, but also like we know the freedom that that comes with. Like that is a freeing thing to say to somebody, no, 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 no. It's not about what you're doing or where you go or being in church every Sunday. It's about this. And, you know, not that we want them to then decide not to come to church, but just helping people see that Mm -hmm. takes a lot of humility too. Yeah, that's good. Well, my last thought is just simply this. Jesus is a well-known figure in our world today, yet there are many who do not embrace all of Jesus's teachings. There are some who try to write off his teachings to claim that Jesus was simply a moral teacher or just a revolutionary or just a figure of history. Their desire is to claim that Jesus was anything but God, yet you cannot remove Jesus from who he claimed to be. And so, you know, as we continue in this series, guys, I think this is a good question for us as we jump back in. One of C.S. Lewis's famous defenses for the gospel is that Jesus's words only leave us with three options when it comes to the question of who he is. He is either Lord or a liar or a lunatic. And so how should this idea and this, these categories affect how we read Jesus's words as we continue to walk through the gospel of John? I think it creates an awareness for us that helps us to really see these hard teachings and mm-hmm. to not gloss over them. Like the reality is you you look at these things that Jesus is saying in these verses and it's such a clear demonstration that what Lewis said is absolutely true that Jesus either has to be lord or he's a liar. Mm-hmm. Um, because he he can't possibly be he can't possibly be both, you know? He either is the source of freedom or he's not. Yeah, and I think that's what you see happening here. They're like we see some people believe in him. And some believe some things, but not all things. 
when they're encountering Jesus's teachings, like, oh, I'm in until this point, and then I'm kind of out. Or uh, And I think today we see plenty of people who say, man, I love that Jesus just loved everybody, or I love mm-hmm. that Jesus was just uh, uh, somebody who cared about justice alone, or somebody who was just a revolutionary. And it's like, you, if you want to come to the words of Jesus, it's all or nothing. You can't remove some of the things you don't want. But if you go to the beginning of this passage, these people were believing at some level and mm-hmm. to some extent. And, you know, I mean, they're at the point that they're ready to throw stones at him at the end. And so it's clear that there was a point that they checked out. Yeah. 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 I think that's interesting. Um, well, uh, I'm excited as we continue to, to walk through the Gospel of John again. And I, one of the things I love about this is this conversation that we're picking up here on uh, with the, these religious leaders in Jesus is escalating clearly. And it's going to continue to escalate even into the passages that continue and kind of come to a culmination. So I'm excited about next week, too. Um, Any last thoughts? Yeah. I mean, if you want to learn 300-year-old idioms, uh, (laughs) I'm going to be teaching a class. Joseph will be one of my pupils, and you can join us. (laughs) People idioms. Well, I mean, one thing that's for real, as we jump back into this, we're also kicking off our small groups, which is why we had a giant party last Sunday. And... uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to, we want you to know like what we're doing here every week is really, we're having a small group in some ways we're discussing and and the opportunity to discuss out loud, um, what, it, what it is that Jesus is doing. And we're getting to learn from one another and, and, and ex- ask questions. And if you're only listening to this podcast, we want you to know you're really missing out on a huge part of what it means to discuss these things out loud with others. And so we would love to get you into a small group if you are not currently, and they're all starting right now. So now is a great time. So if you're interested, you can shoot us an email, you can go to our website, or you can shoot us an email at smallgroups at brazzespoint.com. But we would love, love, love to get you connected. And now is a great time. All right. Well, we love you guys. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.